Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. Forgiveness. Isn't it great to be forgiven? And now, if you've never done anything wrong, you have no idea what I'm talking about, about being forgiven. So if you are perfect, then this message probably isn't for you. But then again, I think somewhere in the Word, or in the Bible, Jesus and others said that there's none that are perfect, none that are good, and that all have sinned, right? That means I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. And uh, so we have a bunch of sinners here in Kent, Ohio, at the Light in Kent. My name's Larry Knoll. But I'm forgiven. I'm free. And God is good. God is good. I think we just had a good time worshiping the Lord. What about you? So good to see a new face over here. I hope you give us a chance. Don't take off too soon. As soon as we're done, give us a chance to say hi to you and get to meet you. Appreciate all of you, those who are joining us through streaming today. We have a number of those I know that are not able to be here today. And uh, good, hopefully Zach and Jessica, Zach will be feeling better. We want to lift up uh, after the streaming broadcast today. We want to take time to pray for those. You know, if you have a prayer request or something, you want to go to our website, leave a prayer request or a comment. Go to our Facebook or YouTube channels, and uh, we would be glad to pray for you. Not a lot of people take me up on this, and I'm not sure why. Because I mean free, free prayer, no strings attached. I'm not trying to get a hold of your email to do dastardly things to you or put you on some, you know, political mailing list or anything like that. We just want to pray for you. We just want to join with you and ask God to help meet the needs in your life. So I uh, encourage you to do that and uh, appreciate you for joining us. If you couldn't be here, but this is a pretty good place to be. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not fancy. Okay, you look around here, it's not a really fancy place. We got rid of the fog machines and the strobe lights. We just said we're going to be basic because we don't need that, actually, to worship God. I'm not saying it's bad to have it. I'm just saying we don't need it. And... Um, it's just a great place to be loved, though. And you will find that you will be loved and cared for here like probably none, no other place you've been, maybe except Grandma's house. We're not going to try to trump, trump Grandma, okay? We're just not going to try to do that. We're in a four-week series about experiencing God's forgiveness. And the first week we talked about there's great healing in forgiveness. There's like spiritual, physical, emotional benefits when we confess our sin to God or even to each other, but especially to God, and we receive his forgiveness. We accept that. You see, we are forgiven no matter who we are, no matter what. If you're sitting in jail right now or prison, right, Don? They're forgiven in prison. They just have to accept that forgiveness. Now, it's not going to get you out of prison. You're still in that situation. But you can be free on, and be locked up. That's right. That's my, one of my devotional. My devotional today was about something like that. 
David, we talked about, had this unconfessed sin where he had conspired to murder one of his generals because he had had an affair with the general's wife, got her pregnant and was trying to cover it up. So he conspired to get this general killed on the front lines. And when it worked, David thought he was free and clear until God spoke to Nathan the prophet. And Nathan came up and said, hey, guess what? God knows about this. And David confessed his sin. And he wrote a great psalm about that. He wrote this wonderful psalm of confession and how it changed him. It took that heaviness. It took that burden of carrying that sin around. And the king, King David, went from grief to relief. And that's what we need in our life when we're experiencing grief. A lot of it is of our own doing, and we need to go to relief. And we can do that only one way, when we're honest and transparent with God. The second week, which was last week, was living in forgiveness. Because as Christians, I don't know about you, but I'm still messing up. I'm still falling short of what God wants me to be and do. So forgiveness is not this one-time thing, but it is. When we come to Him and we confess our sin, that we are a sinner, basically. It's more than just saying, this is all the bad stuff I've done, I give it to you. But it's that, hey, I'm, I'm this. And I need you to become, I need your forgiveness for not accepting your son. That's the biggest sin of all, not accepting Jesus and what He's done for us. When we confess that, then we're part of God's family. Well, that is a one-time thing. But then from that point on, there's this relationship building that we have with God. Because he's going, hey, I want you to be more like Jesus. And we're going, that's impossible. There's no way. I can't even keep the Ten Commandments. I mess up on that all the time. And he says, I know. But I forgive you because you've confessed that to me. Let's let's move forward. Let's keep moving forward moving forward on that because God wants to restore our nature to be like a God nature and not so much this not at all like this sinful nature that we have when we're born that when we're born and you know our beautiful little baby back there you notice I said our beautiful little baby because we all own this little beautiful baby that is just so cute our hearts melt but when we look you know it's hard to believe that that baby is born with sinful nature that baby needs Jesus from the time it's born, okay? And I know with Warren and Sophia, that baby's going to hear about Jesus. They're going to see Jesus in, at the home, on the home level. And so we come to him, we're incomplete, we're broken, and he restores this relationship. We have this broken relationship because of Adam, of his sin. And God restores that relationship, and now it's really good. And we're not perfect, and we have to maintain that relationship through prayer, through communion with Him, not taking communion so much, but as as uh, being with God, fellowshipping with Him. So that takes confession and transparency. So the Holy Spirit's going to put His finger on you, so to speak, and go, hey, what about this in your life? And until you confess it, it's in your life. Once we confess it, then God goes, great, now let's work on this. I know it's there. You can't cover it up anymore, and you're not covering it up, so let's now work on this in your life. Listen, we're never going to get better at living till we become better at confession. Do you hear what I'm saying? I didn't write that down. That was like from the Holy Spirit. It just came right now, so you got it fresh, okay? It's like going to the produce aisle. Some stores, it's fresh. This is fresh, okay? 
we will not, until we become confessors, okay, we're not going to grow in Christ. So we're no longer, when we do that, we're no longer in bondage to that sin is what happens. We're set free because of the resurrection of Jesus. Huh? My Redeemer lives, what we've been singing about. So I want to give credit to a friend of mine and former pastor, Tony Scott, because this is his outline I'm, I've been using. It's really good. Tony, I'm sorry. I've totally changed it from what you had it, but you won't recognize anything but the points, okay? But that's okay. That's how the Holy Spirit spoke through me. So today's message is unlocking your significance. Significance. Unlocking your significance. So what I'm talking about is like self-esteem. Why am I here? My purpose. Because forgiveness has a lot to do with this. I'm going to give you a quote here. Self-esteem is what we think and feel and believe about ourselves. Self-worth is recognizing I am greater than all those things. So, so many people deal with the self-esteem side. And I'm okay, you're okay, and... You know, and no matter what, you know, it's great. But self-worth is recognizing I'm greater than the things that I do. I'm just good because God made me. Because God created me, I'm a masterpiece, as Rick Warren says. I'm a masterpiece of God's. It goes on to say it is a deep knowing that I am of value. I am lovable necessary to life, necessary to this life, and of incomprehensible worth. I got that from positivepsychology.com. It's so true that I don't have to perform to be valuable. I don't have to achieve to be of value. And if we apply that spiritually, it's like this. I love you just because you're here, just because you're you. I don't love you because, you know, you take on a ministry and you help us. I love you anyhow. Okay? Because you do great things or because you're a wonderful singer. You know, I don't love Kelsey just because she's a great singer. I don't love her, like, way more than Don, who, you know, who's always emptying the trash after church. I just, that's the way love should be. It should be unconditional. It has nothing to do with how we perform. We just love. You know, we love our kids. Obviously, most of the time. Well, we love them all the time. We just don't like them sometimes, right? I don't like what they do. It's like, I can't believe that's my child. We love them, and nothing can stop that love. I don't know if you've ever had a child do something to hurt you. It will probably happen. If I hate to say that, but it will probably happen at some point in life. And you almost feel like adversaries, but you still love them. And you wouldn't want anything bad to happen to them. Sometimes you have to stand back and watch it happen because of their, what they do in life. They're going to have to suffer the consequences. But it doesn't mean you're going, ha, boy, am I glad. Now they'll learn. No, we're praying for them. We're asking God to work in their life and to perform something special in their life. So many Christians, I think, our big question is, what is our purpose? You know, what does God want? What big thing does God want for me? What, you know, what is he? Why am I here? And I think a lot of times we feel worried in the back of our minds. You know, some of us are going, God hasn't called me to any mission field lately. He hasn't called me to, you know, any anything that requires too much of me. 
like time or money or anything like that. But in the back of our minds, we're kind of like, I'm kind of worried, though, because I really want to please my spiritual father. I want to please God. I want to make sure I'm doing enough. If you have conversations with people who really have not surrendered to the Lord, their lives, you'll hear this a lot. I do a lot of good things. See, we're, we're pumping ourselves up. I do a lot of great things for people. I'm a good person. We're pumping ourselves up, hoping that God sees that and agrees with us. See that, God? Right? I'm doing, I'm on the plan, right? I got enough points. It's like, you know, frequent flyer points or something, you know, or you use your charge card enough and you get to fly free or whatever that is. And a lot of it is because we're not seeing any fruit in our lives. We're not seeing anything produced, results from our life. And so we measure ourselves, how? Against the word? No. We measure ourselves against other people. Pastors, we have a big problem with this. My church is smaller than yours. I must be doing something wrong. Obviously, we should be growing, right? We should be like, you know, we should have this many after so many years. We should have blah, blah, blah. You probably might feel that way, guys. You know, my retirement should be this, but it's not. What am I going to do? Or my retirement's this. Look at me. I'm a great success. Or my investments or my house. Or look at my family. My kids are outstanding. They're doing this. While others are going, I don't know what happened to my family. See, when we compare ourselves with other people, then we get into a big problem because not everybody's the same. And not everybody's going to have the same results. It would be impossible for everybody to have the exact same results. And we all want this. We want to see this, like mountains of success, wealth, health. We want to see this 100% of the time. Newsflash. It just doesn't happen that way. <laughs> and it doesn't happen that way sometimes for some people ever. They struggle. A lot of people struggle. And they never see like the success maybe that you're enjoying right now. So if we look at that, then we might be like the Jews who said, well, because you're sick, your parents sinned. You know, remember that story in the Bible? Well, his parents must have sinned because he's been crippled for 25 years. That's the problem. Okay, that must be the problem. So we attribute where we are always to whether we live right or we don't live right. And I'm just going to tell you, that is not always true. I see incredibly good people who can't seem to get a break. All right. So we can't compare ourselves, our gifts with others. And then because if we do that, if we're not up here and we're flush all the time, and you won't be in every way and you won't be. What's going to happen is we're going to begin to think that we're disqualified from God's love. That God doesn't bless us like he does other people. God doesn't love us like other people. God has no purpose for my life like other people. If I just made that much money, think what I could give to the church. If I just had this size of church, just think what we could do to this city. If I had this kind of car or this kind of job, just think how great it would be, God. I have told God that. If I wasn't driving a stinking school bus, God, what could we do? When I was driving a school bus, I sat in a stairwell of that school bus crying by myself on a Sunday because I was there practicing to get my CDL and I was like this is stupid I don't want to learn this God how is this part of your plan well he showed me and I won't go into that but he later showed me and I, I was like I'm so happy to drive this school bus <laughs> 
not all the time, but I was, <laughs> I was happy in what God, the fruit that I eventually saw out of that. So we can't compare ourselves to others, our gifts to others, because what will happen is we're going to develop this negative perspective. This negative perspective is going to come out of it, and we're just going to think, what's wrong with me? Or doesn't God love me? Or why haven't I heard from God? Or what, what's going on with my life? And this isn't the impression I get when I read the scriptures. Let's look at Ephesians. I'm saying it slowly because I saw a disruption in the media booth. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. And we're reading from the Amplified Version a lot. I like this. It says, In Him we have redemption. That is our deliverance and salvation. So that's a big church word, redemption. So it tells you redemption is our deliverance and salvation through his blood. That's how this happens, which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete, complete, complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace and which he lavished on us. Listen to this. I'm rich. I'm rich in grace. I'm rich in redemption. I'm rich in forgiveness. I'm stinking loaded, everybody. In all wisdom and understanding, with practical insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Man, See, when you're reading from some of these scriptures that were translated into the, especially Paul's writings, when you, when you, the King James kind of is like Yoda speak. You know what I mean? If you're into Star Wars, you know, blessed you are. So, you know, <laughs> forgiven you are. <laughs> so I like to look at this, the way this breaks down, you know, the amplified version. So if you don't like that, forgive me. You know, but I like it. It's it just it's fun to read that. I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Robert S. McGee. He wrote a book called Search for Significance. It's a great program. It's a great group counseling program that churches use. It says, though we may not be so extreme, listen closely, many of us do have certain Christian activities like church attendance, tithing, Bible studies and so on that we feel we must do to be good Christians. Now, I would encourage you to do those. I'm not saying don't do them. But it doesn't make you any closer to God. He doesn't love you any more if you do or don't do these things. That's what we're trying to say. These activities themselves are obviously not wrong, but a performance-oriented perspective is wrong. So you cannot connect God's approval, God's love, God's gifts to you, whatever. You cannot attach any of that to your performances because gifts are undeserving. Are blessings gifts? Yes. Blessings are gifts. And when, and when it comes Christmas time, for as long as I can remember, there's nothing I did to deserve that toy. I was probably very undeserving of that toy when I was a kid. I probably should have got black coal in my stocking and let it be, you know, be happy with that. I was not easy to grow up with. I know you can't imagine that now, but, you know, it's the way it was. See, God can redeem anybody. I didn't deserve that Batman 
set of comic books and that NBA magnetic basketball game that I got and those Hot Wheels. I did not deserve those things. But for some reason, my parents loved me and got it for me anyhow. Because they love me. And they just want to show that love in some tangible way. God does that to us. But he loves you whether you see stuff or not. He loves you whether there's success or not. He loves you all the time. He's like the sun. The sun is shining even at night. You just don't see it right now because it's nighttime. Or you don't feel it right now because it's cloudy and you live in stinking northern Ohio. And you don't get it that often. But the sun is still shining. We are God's children, his masterpiece, his people, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. That's the exciting thing. It's because of what he's done for us. I can't earn that. Because we're all sinners saved by grace and God has forgiven all our sin. One of the greatest words in the English language is the word forgiveness. Say that. Forgiveness. Isn't that great? You know, when you hear somebody say, I forgive you, especially if you owe them money, that's a great word, isn't it? That's a word you want to hear. Especially when you've done something wrong to somebody. Maybe you meant to or didn't mean to. It doesn't matter, but you hurt them and they say, I forgive you. It's just like you weren't at rest until those words were spoken. Isn't that amazing? It's just a word. People say, well, it's a word. It's big. To be forgiven of an offense which you are guilty brings some kind of like relief and peace in you. It's incredible. Forgiveness can restore relationships like not, nobody's business. But we're stingy on forgiveness sometimes, aren't we? God is not stingy on forgiveness. God, you don't have to apply and wait until a certain date to have a phone call like mom and I did with Social Security this week. My goodness, are you kidding me? I had to wait two weeks to have a 30-minute phone call. How ridiculous. I should be able to go online, fill out a form, and it's, we're done. But I have to wait, take time off work, go have a 30-minute phone call with the Social Security Administration. I love you, but it's ridiculous, okay? But God, this forgiveness... Is available 24-7, 365, everybody. That relief to get rid of that angst in our life when it's between him and us, we can do that. But here's forgiveness means something else. It, it, it means that we give up our right to be right. <laughs> All right. So to ask forgiveness, you're saying I did wrong. That is a hard. You know, if you ever watch the Fonz on Happy Days, hey, you know, I've tried doing that with the with the jukebox several times. I can never get it to just work without a quarter like, you, hey, poof, and then it start playing. But the Fonz, you know, he could not say he was. You know, he one time I remember he's trying to apologize. And every time he went to say the word wrong, he just couldn't come out. He'd go, OK, I was wrong. It just wouldn't come out. And that's that is hard for us to say, Okay, God, I was wrong. Or to your friend or your family, I was wrong. Or the person you work with, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? So to forgive at times or to receive forgiveness, we have to admit we're wrong. 
And if you have a relationship and one person always has to be right in that relationship, that's very destructive. Where they're never wrong. Where we're, I'm sorry, babe. I'm talking about myself, right? Because it makes the other person feel like they have no voice. It's like you're just shutting them up. It's, I think it's emotionally abusive to be a kind of a person that I'm all, you know, I'm always right. We don't even need, no need to talk about it. But you see, God is different. God has a desire to be in relationship with that supersedes our sin. We are not worthy to have this relationship with a holy God. But he has a desire to have this relationship. It's kind of unbelievable because he has this like the Bible says he has this great love, this great love for us because of his great love. God chose to redeem us, to buy us out of bondage. He paid a ransom with Jesus's life. Isn't that incredible? And at the same time, he accepted repentance for our sins and he remitted our sins and restored us to our Christ life, the one that we were created and designed to live. I don't know if you heard all those R words in there, but it jumped out at me. When I wrote that down, I was like, I see a bunch of R's here. Redeemed, ransomed, repentance, remitted, restored. I was like, how'd that happen? But even though we were born into sin, we were not created to live in sin. That baby was not created to live in sin. Even though it's born into sin, that baby is not created. God did not create that baby to live in sin. Does that make sense? So there's the challenge. Those who live in sin are living broken lives is what's going on. God didn't design us to live in broken lives. God created us to live a Christ life. And did you? And so those are words, redeemed, ransomed, repentance, remitted, restored. Those are kind of those church words again, in a way, when we apply them to our life. And that's the, the story of God's love. That's what makes our life significant. That's what makes our life purpose driven, if you will. And we can divide those R's into what he did, what we do, what we receive and what we become. I think I have a slide for this. So, what he did, here's what he did. He First of all, he convicts us. So he's convincing us of our wrong, our sin. The Holy Spirit, until you go, I'm a sinner, there's no starting point for this relationship. You have to admit you're wrong. If you think your life is great without God or you just want to attach God over here, you know, and add him on to your great life. What we have to do is come and say, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner and I have no righteousness. There's none of my deeds are any good. Only let's start only with the cross. And I need you to forgive me for rejecting you and making myself God. And I want to make you God. I want to make you Lord, you see. And so the Holy Spirit eventually just keeps working on us, working on us, working on us until we come to that realization. So that's what he's done. He also redeems us, which means to buy back from bondage. We talked about that last week. He remits our sin. So what does that mean? He removes our guilt. 
He removes our punishment. He takes the power of sin out of our life. Sin has power over you if you're not living in accordance to what God has called us to be and His children. And He releases us from the power and dominion of sin. So once you come and you realize you're a sinner and you come to Him, He redeems you and then He remits. He gets rid of all the consequences, all the emotional, mental, physical consequences that sin has on you day after day. And the wonderful thing is He forgives us. Now what does that mean? Forgiveness is great, but you know what forgiveness is? It separates. You've got sin on you, you know, and it's attached like cancer. And God goes, we're going to just pull that sin right off. And it's not part of you anymore. And I don't know where it is now, but it's not you. It is not your identity. He separates our sin from us and sends them away forever to release us. From that captivity. That restriction that's on us. And then he restores us. To place us in that relationship. Back at the Garden of Eden. That beautiful transparent. Me and Jesus. Me and God. I can tell him anything. And he talks to me. And he walks with me. And he tells me I'm his own. And spiritually, what he does is he seats us in heavenly places with him. We are rocking this like spiritual dimension while we're living in this physical dimension. Does that make sense? Because that's weird to people here that aren't living in, in that. But we have this awareness all of a sudden of this spiritual dimension. And that comes through coming to Jesus Christ. That's one of the things that he does. Now, here's what we have to do. What do, what do we do? Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Thank you. Is we repent of our sins. L wait, go back one slide. Can you go back to the other slide? Look how many things he does. Now, go to our to-do list. What is it? One thing. What is that? Repent of our sins. Just express godly sorrow for them. I'm truly, God, I see my error. I see where I've been living. I'm sorry that I have sinned against you with my life. The greatest way that you sin against God is to try to be in control of your life 100%. You don't ask Him. You don't consider Him. You don't think about Him. You just make decisions. You marry this person, you go to this school, you take this job, you watch this TV show, you whatever. And you're never considering God. It's just, I'm living for me. What I like is what I do. Guess what? You, you made yourself God. You made yourself Lord of you. And here's a really wicked part of it is when we do that, and we're responsible for our own life. In other words, you know, everything is on us. Then we begin to worry about what other people think. Other people think about us, rather. And we're, we're not even living to please ourselves anymore. We dress so that others like us. We do this so somebody else likes us. We, you know what I'm saying? So we can't even please ourselves after a while. We lose that whole dimension. And now we're just trying to please others. It, it happens. When all I got to do is please God and everybody else can just pound salt. 
because I'm pleasing Him. I'm following Him. I'm listening to Him. You may not understand it, but this is what I'm doing. I love you anyhow. See you later. Okay? So we just repent of our sins. Next thing is, here's what we receive. We talk about what He does, what we need to do. Now here's the benefits. You just sign on with repentance, and guess what? We receive His forgiveness. His redemption. His remission. His restoration. We take it as our possession now. He gives us stuff that nobody else can give us. This is the ticket right here. And then we receive His adoption of us. This is the moment we become children of God. It's not the songs that are sung on the radio. All the children of the world. Okay? It's cute, but it's not true. They are God's creation, but we become God's child. We become adopted as His sons and daughters and become joint heirs with Jesus when we repent, when we come to Him, and then we enjoy all the Father's glorious riches. Isn't that wonderful? And then lastly... Here's what we become. Talked about what we have to do, what we receive. Here's what we become. We become his disciples. Now, this is where we're, it's a little tricky. Because we like the first two parts. But a lot of times, Christians, we don't become his disciples. What does that mean? We're studying. We're learning. We're imitating who he is. And we do what he did. A guy yesterday I heard God called him. He was not a really great guy. He was kind of a jerk. Okay? And he will tell you that. And sometime, I don't know, what was it, Don? Was it when he was an early adult, a young adult, um, out of high school? Or maybe it was while he was still in high school. But God got a hold of his life, long story short. And he came to Jesus and turned his life over to the Lord. And a profound change took place. But here's the thing. God called him into ministry just like this. All of a sudden, he found himself being a youth pastor at a church in Pennsylvania that he didn't even know what a youth pastor did. And the pastor just liked this guy. He saw God's call upon him. Didn't have any training. Didn't know anything about teaching the Bible. Didn't know anything about God's stuff. And so the pastor hired him on as a full-time youth pastor, and he's doing his best And he went into the pastor and he said, you know, I don't want to do all this stuff. I don't want to do all this stuff that you have me doing. You know, guys, when I my first full time pastor was in in the Youngstown area, same place this guy was at. And one of my first jobs was changing. I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to study the word all day long now. I'm going to have time for this. No, my pastor had a whole different idea, like. You know, your associate, youth, children, music, slash maintenance, printer, you know, a PR man. My first job was going through the fellowship hall, changing all the fluorescent lights. Praise God, hallelujah, bless his name forever. I got so blessed. I just shout and change in light bulbs. And that's great. We have to have these things done, but I'm telling you what. Here's what he went to the pastor and he said, I just want to do Jesus stuff. Remember that yesterday? Who was that? I just wanted to do Jesus stuff. Don, you weren't there. 
I just want to do, that's all I want to do. And the pastor goes, okay, well, what is that? He goes, well, look at the Bible. Jesus healed people. He delivered people. He saved people. That's what I want to do. I don't want to do all this other stuff. But when we're his disciples, we should be doing Jesus stuff in addition to the other things that we do. We shouldn't let the things that we do crowd out the Jesus stuff. And we become filled with his Holy Spirit. The second thing is we become his disciples. We become hungry. We want more of the word. We want more of time with him. We want to discover more and more and more about the Lord. And we also become filled with his Holy Spirit. We cannot lead our life, guys, without the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot live a life for Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit. My life, my whole life, and my real God life, this new God life I have, which is I'm wanting to do the Jesus stuff, and I'm wanting to study, but you see, knowledge needs to become wisdom, and that's where the Holy Spirit changes that into wisdom so that's what is known i call it the great exchange this is what god does this is what i give him and he exchanges what i give him with what he wants to give me and make me what a great exchange program it'd be like taking your empty soda bottles to the grocery store and you don't even wash them they still got your lip stuff on them, you know, your germs. And you just walk up and you say, here's my old Coke bottle. And they say, great. And they give you a brand new two liter of Coke or whatever it is, Mountain Dew you like. Okay, Dr. Pepper diet. Wouldn't that be a great exchange program? Hey, I'm done with this old milk jug. In fact, what's in there is a little blinky. I know you won't mind. And they just toss you a brand new one. You're like, praise God, hallelujah. I don't know how why this works, but it does. That's what Jesus, that's what God wants to do for us is he's paid the price. He's done all this. He says, just go ahead, accept, turn yourself in, turn yourself over to me, give up and let me take over. And when you do, this is what you will receive and what you what a great exchange program. Second Corinthians 521 in the message says this God put the wrong on him Jesus who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God what an exchange program isn't that fantastic once we experience God's forgiveness then we can start becoming who we will be forever who you are now it's a struggle it's incomplete you're not there yet and you're going to continue to develop and become more like him. But it's a program to get you where you're going to be forever. So some of us are a little bit behind in that program. But it's never too late to start. Because his, forgi his forgiveness places us in him. What do I mean? It puts us into life with God. Life that makes sense. Not just this human existence. I don't know why I'm here. You know, we're just here on this planet. We're just, you know, we're just things, creatures that crawled out of the mist or something and evolved into this. And, you know, we're just like every other animal. No, God created us above all that. He created us with him in us. 
And it's not just a human existence. Let's look at John 1, 4 in the Amplified. It says, in him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. So God has life for us like you've never known before. If you are living in Christ, you're probably numb to where you could be without him. You're just living so high in so many ways. God is blessing you, directing you, guiding you. You're depending on him. You're growing in him. If we could do another movie, you know, It's a Wonderful Life too, and but do it based on some of our lives, it, we might be able to see where we would be without Jesus. And it might not be a great movie. I don't even want to know what I'd be without Jesus. I don't want to know what life would be without that fellowship, without him, his presence. I don't want to know that. I've known it so long that I'm numb to it. I don't even know how else to live my life except in his presence. So maybe you've seen that bumper sticker with the uh, message says Christians aren't perfect. They're what? They're just forgiven. Talked about that last week. There's far more to the Christian life than just being forgiven. His forgiveness just places us in the kingdom of his son. That's all. It repositions us from darkness to light is what that scripture is saying. And that's what we are created to be. You and I were created to be kingdom heirs, heirs of the kingdom. For second Peter one. Verses 10 through 11 in the message says, So friends, confirm God's invitation to you. His choice, listen, invitation, His choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this and you'll have your life on a firm footing. The streets paved and the way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't put it off. This is a personal invitation. He literally chose you. So why are you waiting? What's the wait? What's the holdup? Jesus paved the way, it says. Colossians 1.13 For he has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness he tra- and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we're never going to be perfect. You and I are just never going to be perfect. But we're supposed to continually live in him and be filled with his power and his love and his peace. And daily we're supposed to take him in. Daily we're supposed to have communion. We're supposed to take him in, not just once a month when we do the communion service or however often we do it. But daily we're supposed to take him into our lives through prayer and the word, spending time with God. I can't emphasize that enough, but yet it seems like the easiest thing not to do. We have to live as reconciled to God. What does that mean? That we're walking in this interactive relationship with him, which is an entirely new kind of life for a lot of people. They're not on any kind of spiritual realm. And I really feel bad for them. So the question is, who teaches you? Whose disciple are you? Who is your Lord and master? Are you out there on your own with the do-it-yourself books? I just threw away my dad's volumes of plumbing and 
electrical manuals and construction books. I was tempted to take them, Leah. I was tempted to take those home because they were prizes to him because that's what he did. And I was tempted to take them home. And then next time I have a big project, you know, I was going to open that up and go, well, I could do this. I'll just read how to do it. And the little voice says, you fool. <laughs> don't don't even take that home because you're just delaying throwing this away. You will never do that because that's not your talent. That's not your ability. And you could read about it, but you need a master. You need somebody to guide your hands to what there's nuances that you don't know about, you see. And I think about this is that we're trying this do it yourself thing in life. We just think if we read the right book, watch the right TED talk. You know, that's going to, that's, that's it. Solves the problem. Follow this guy, you know, the success in life person or whatever. It's going to help us. It might help you. It might take the edge off, but it's not the answer. That is not the answer. The answer is turn your life over to Christ. Turn your life over to Christ. Consume yourself with his presence, his word. Take him daily. Live reconciled to him. This is a whole new kind of life. And all that we know and all that we learn and everything that we learn from other people. The thing that we have to realize is his desire for his people is that we would live our life in as students unto him. And co-laborers. So we're learning from him. We're learning from each other. We're discipling one another and God, the Holy Spirit is discipling us and teaching us and enlightening us. Because why? We're sitting at his feet. We're sitting at his feet. And, you know, a little thing I learned about my dad was, I didn't know this for years. Other people knew this is when he would come to a project and he didn't know what to do. I mean, he started this early in life. He would take on projects and say, yes, I can do that at work. And then go, my Lord, I know nothing about that. But he didn't ever want to say no. And you know what that did? That always put him in dependence to the Lord. Because what he would do is he'd go, God, I don't know anything about this. There are engineers that are stumped right now. I need your help. And he wouldn't say this out loud. He wouldn't walk around with the Bible open and screaming and praising God. He would just pray this little prayer. And he'd say, I need your help. Would you just help me figure this out? And you know what? Time and again, time and again, over his entire life, the Holy Spirit showed up in a practical way in his life. And he was like this common sense engineer that could figure things out that the trained engineers could not figure out sometimes. He was supposed to just do what they told him, and a lot of times they didn't know what to tell him. And he would come up with these solutions that cost very little money. See, the Holy Spirit wants to help us with that and give us wisdom like that and instruct us and help us to fulfill what God has outlined for us, what He's planned for us, what our purpose is in life. So I'm going to close here and I want you to say, I want you to hear this, that His promise, His promise to us is that He would be with you every moment. So it's not like we're here 
and we're experiencing God and this is, you know, the only time we experience God, that would be a really poor way to live. We should be experiencing God every day in every way. Driving, working, studying, changing diapers, warring, whatever we're doing. We can experience God all the time because that's exactly what he wants. He wants that kind of relationship. And the result of being his student and sitting at his feet is this, Ephesians 3.19, that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled up through your being to all the fullness of God, that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life, completely filled and flooded with God Himself. That sounds awesome. What about you? Are you up for this? To be filled with God and overflowing with His presence and His goodness? So then we're not worried about our significance. We're not worried about our self-worth. Because our purpose in life is to be intimate with God and everything will flow out of that. Everything will flow. I, I looked at many psychology sites this week and they always included religion. It was, it was, it was, you know, if they had 10 points, it would be like point seven or 8. And I'm here to say it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And they always put relationship as number one in these lists of things that were important for your self-worth. And I say exactly. But you see, the thing that they did was they didn't tie in religion with relationship. It, religion's over here and it's just a feel-good thing it's it's you know it's just we don't know if it were if it's real or not but if it works for you then great you need that and i say no 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 it's right up here and it's that relationship with god will affect my relationship with you my relationship with everybody else and it will also right off the bat my self-worth goes to you know 10 I, I am full of self-worth. I am full of significance because I belong to Him. I'm growing in His grace. I'm becoming like Him. I have a new goal in life. I want to become like Christ. And the great thing is Jesus paved the way. He made the first move for us. And when we stand in His righteousness and we're forgiven by just accepting that forgiveness through Jesus Christ... That's when we discover our purpose. That's when we discover our significance. So if you were waiting for like a fancy pseudo-psychological sermon here today, I just don't do those. I just don't do those because I just find life, God didn't make life that complicated for us. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. See? Everything to God, everything to who we are and what we are is through that relationship. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we are not able to live up to your holy standard. Our attempts to feeling worthy, they totally fall short. Everything we try, it just doesn't seem to do the trick. We try everything, Lord, everything under the sun, all the things that people tell us about, that we've learned. They're good people. 
they have their well-meaning in their motives. But nothing satisfies. Nothing is the answer. Our real purpose, our significance lies in you. And when we surrender and we come on your terms, not our terms, not the way we see it, but we come the way that you tell us, then you give us so much. You exchange our mourning for dancing. You turn our graves into gardens, God. You have so much more to offer than we bring to you. It's not a sacrifice at all when we come to you. We're shedding our sin. We're shedding our sorrow. We're shedding our sickness. And you're exchanging it for joy. You're exchanging it, Lord, for peace. You're exchanging it for purpose in her life. If we just repent, you said you will forgive us and we will receive a life of blessing. So if that's what you need today, I want you to pray with me. I'm just going to pray a prayer. You can listen to me as I pray and just agree with me if that's your prayer. Father God, I come to you imperfect, unable to be righteous. I realize that I am wrong and I repent. I repent of my life of selfishness, being focused on myself and not on you. I repent of not receiving Jesus as my Savior. And I accept what he did on the cross as payment for my sin. And I thank you for all that has been done for me. And I give to you myself today to be your disciple, to be your child. And I receive forgiveness and I receive acceptance and I receive all that you have for me as your child. And I enter into the kingdom of God because of your promise. Thank you so much, Jesus, for what you've done. Let my life glorify you. Let my life be at peace with you now. In Jesus' name, amen. If, you, if that was your prayer today, if that was what you agreed with me in prayer, well, let's see, that's the first step. That's what we talked about here. And I want you to know, that's done. That first step is done. And I don't know how you feel, if you feel differently or you don't. That's not important. But what I'm going to tell you, it is different now. It doesn't matter what it feels like. This is different. And so we would like to help you if you would like some follow-up materials, something that we could tell you what next steps are. If you even want to uh, text or if you want to send an email, however it is that works for you, contact us through our website. If you're watching, if you're here today, come and talk to me. Come and talk to somebody in this room. Anybody here willing to talk to somebody today if they came to you? Raise your hand. Would you be willing to talk to somebody? Say right around the room. There's people around here that would talk to you. And so uh, we want to help you because a lot of times when we do this, then we may not see anything tangible and doubts come into our minds. So I want you to know this is real. Jesus loves you. You've accepted him. And this is a brand new road for you. So we will, if nothing else, if you contact us, we'll pray for you.
we lift your name up in prayer. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you're not here, thank you so much. We're going to let you go. Um, go to our website, our Facebook, like, share, leave a comment, whatever it is, Instagram, YouTube. We have our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. I invite you to uh, join us that way if you uh, prefer that. Share this with a friend. I think a lot of people need to know about what I talked about today. Share it on your um, prof- on your uh, whatever you call it. What do you call that first page there? Huh? Your news feed? Yeah, whatever that is. I'm not up on that. Now I look at that baby and then my mind goes blank. So Next week I'm going to be talking about forgiveness one last time. And we're going to be talking about the word reconciliation. Reconciliation. So I invite you to be with us. God bless you and thank you again for joining us. Thank you for joining us today. The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.